Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. I'm so glad to have Carl uh, Rivera here with me in New York, and we're in East Village, right? Yeah, we're in East Village. Uh, welcome to my podcast. Carl is a well-known entrepreneur and founder of three companies. He is the founder and CEO of Ticktail, a New York-based e-commerce platform and social marketplace. Ticktail houses online shops for thousands of brands from more than 140 countries and sells everything from ready-to-wear and accessories for both men and women to original art, home goods and beauty products. It's impressive what you've done so far. You're so young and so beautiful and the whole life is in front of you and you've already accomplished all of this. I think it's amazing. So congratulations, really. But I'm so curious to ask the question, what is your why with Ticktail and what is the kind of impact that you are looking to have? Great. Well, first of all, thank you so much for hosting me here on your podcast and for coming by to record it in our apartment here in East Village. What's the why with Ticktail? Well, since day one, we've had a sort of mission statement in the company and it's been to empower the self-made entrepreneur to build a global brand and that's really the one sentence that go into everything that we do we want to provide independent sellers small brands businesses from around the world with all of the tools that they need to become successful to become a bigger business we think that we are in the middle of this creative revolution where it's never been easier to start and build and grow a business and it's not just because online tools like Ticktail have become easier and more affordable to use. The entire value chain has changed, where it's much easier now to source a product, to set up drop shipping, to have a warehouse, to engage with freelancers. Every step of the way of building and running, growing a business has become easier. And, and we want to be there to support that change. We think that's both an enabling movement for people around the world, obviously, but we also think it unlocks creativity in a way that we haven't seen before, where we can now get access to all of these amazing ideas and products from, from different people. And what is your, let's call it, dream with Ticktail? My dream with Ticktail is to be allowed and enabled to continue to do what we do for many more years to come. I think when people think about Ticktail, they think about us as an e-commerce platform. They think about us as the software layer of what we're doing. But, but really, when I think about it, we are that mission that we had defined. We are this concept of empowering self-made entrepreneurs to build global brands. And we think that that mission can manifest itself in so many different ways, where software, the e-commerce aspect, might only be one of those ways. Uh, here in New York, we have our first retail store. I'm sure that when, when this podcast comes out, it will have been announced that we have just opened up our first retail store in Stockholm. And we're excited to think about, okay, what are the other touch points where we can serve our mission and help small businesses grow, but through more ways than just e-commerce. And what has being in New York taught you? So many different things. I mean, moving to New York in many ways for me was, I had this feeling of, of moving home. Like very shortly after I came here, I felt like, okay, this is where I was supposed to be. This is what was supposed to be my home. And I think it has taught me so many different things, both about myself, about business, about people. I think at the heart of it, you know, you've moved as well, right? And I think every person should completely change their city at least one point in their life. Not so much just to go to some different place, 
at some point in each person's life, I think they should have taken the opportunity to move somewhere entirely different, someplace else. And it's not so much just because they want to go and see a new city, but really because when you go someplace new, you have to redefine yourself without the context. You don't have the, the forcing habits, the friendship groups, the routines that sort of define you as a person, that they all disappear and you have to reconstruct yourself from scratch. And I think it was really liberating for me to get the opportunity to do that at, at that point in my life. That was four years ago. I was 27, 28 years old then. And really, really exciting thing to experience. How would you, you know, define the main reason for the success and the growth of Ticktail right now? Well, I think that at a very high level, I think the recipe for success for any company will be a combination of team and focus. Mm -hmm. I think we have had the great opportunity to build one of the most incredible teams that I could have ever hoped for. That obviously starts with my co-founders who are all so much more incredibly impressive than I am and, and that I feel so very lucky to get to build this company with. And uh, they're also here in New York? No, they're actually back in Sweden. So mm -hmm. the company, we have two offices, one in Stockholm and one in New York. The Swedish office is our bigger office. Mm -hmm. Here in New York is where we run most of our marketing and I'm sort of the leader of this office and of the company. So really just having had the opportunity to recruit such smart people from the early days. And then I think we've always done a good job of keeping the business quite focused on one problem at a time. And that has allowed us to move much faster than, than some of the competitors that are out there. Who are the main competitors or main players? Yeah, I think you can look at it from two different lenses. On one end, I think we compete with every other company that provides tools for small business owners. So you would think about like a Shopify or a big commerce or a big cartel or and so forth. And then on the other end, I think that we also compete with every other consumer brand, right? Because at the end of the day, our job is to help these brands sell. And to get them to reach that success, the consumers will have to choose their products over any other products that are out there. And, and they're not only picking between the other small businesses, but I think that when someone is shopping from Ticktail, if they're shopping fashion on Ticktail, they're making a choice between buying from a small business or buying from H&M or buying from ASOS or buying from any of these other brands. So from the consumer lens and sort of looking at it from the seller's perspective, I think we're competing with literally every like consumer business in the world, which can be a little bit daunting. So, so you try to not think about it in that way too much. Hmm. But I, I would guess that there is a certain awareness and somebody would say a trend that I'd like to buy my clothing from some smaller player than from the big player, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that there's a trend that you want to have products that are more than just products today. Products that come with a story, that have a meaning, that have something more than just the sort of the affinity of the item itself. And I do think that small businesses is part of that story. Like to support a small business is really to not just buy a product, but to invest in an entrepreneur. Like if you're buying from my mother's brand, by Mutti, you're not just buying porcelain or a plate. Yeah. You can buy a plate anywhere in the world. You're, you're buying into her story and you're supporting her business. And I, I think, actually have heard things. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I always try to do these shameless plugs whenever I get the chance to promote her products in interviews and in media. Go, go, mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I really think that that sort of like story-driven commerce is on the uprise and that small businesses is a really meaningful part of that. And that's definitely the trend that has allowed Ticktail to grow and, and that has, we're very excited about being part of this, this time. But I also think that at the end of the day, 
a lot of consumers would like to support this movement, but it also often comes down to just a question of the price tag. And I think still today when you're supporting a small business, you're probably paying more for a plate from a small business than you would from an IKEA, right? Because they have the powers of scale. So I think we need to continue to do a better and better job of making sure that the stories become a bigger part of the product experience and a bigger part of the shopping experience. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely true, because then you will get some kind of emotional connection to to that brand and you want to actively support them, even if you have to pay almost maybe, you know, twice the price or whatever. Because uh, I think people are getting so much more motivated and they you feel more proud to wear something that you know that there is a person, a thought, uh, some kind of a story behind. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but where is this uh, shopping experience actually heading and what do you think will be the physical store I mean, what will it be kind of transforming into? I think that on a macro, what's happening for retail right now, the first shift, I think, is that you're seeing like all of these resellers disappear. Unfortunately, I, I think that's inevitable. I think it's going to be extremely difficult to be a reseller of other brands over the next 10 years. I think what you'll see is two things that emerge. It's the direct-to-consumer model, where you have brands that are able to connect directly with the consumer through both retail and, and e-commerce, but really cut off the middleman and be able to use that extra margin to either push their prices down or to invest more heavily in marketing or hopefully a combination of those two. And I think the reseller model will be replaced by marketplaces like Ticktail, where when you're looking for a shopping experience where you're not loyal to one brand, but are actually browsing a number of different brands and want to have the the advantage of comparison shopping, then, then marketplaces are a better model for that, where you are in fact buying directly from the brands still, but you're doing so in, in an aggregated platform. And then for retail, I do think that for both marketplaces, like in the case of Ticktail, but specifically for direct-to-consumer brands, I think retail is, is going to have a really great uprise again, as these mega brands that have more than one business model, that have on more than one touch point with the consumers, leverage retail not just to sell products but can actually offset the cost of the store on things like shipping or e-commerce pickups uh, service centers like all of these different other experiences that they sort of bundle into the retail offering but maybe this is a strange question but i was just thinking h&m is a company that you know a lot of people respect and so on but and we both know very well but if you would have their like ceo or management group in front of you what kind of advice would you give to such a company? Yeah, I mean, I think that H&M knows that they need to figure out e-commerce to stay relevant going forward. What made H&M great, probably, uh, in my opinion, is how well they created this company culture where they were able to build this like really strong loyalty in some employees and they were able to keep them and grow them in the company for plus 10 years and created this massive, massive in-house knowledge that they could leverage to sort of like just optimize operations and become a more effective retail machine. But that same asset has now become a risk for them or a threat for them because I think that because they have this sort of like stronghold of the same people moving through the system, I don't think it has created a place where an entirely new model can emerge because basically it's it's growing from within only. I think they might want to think about how they can set themselves up to bring in competence and know-how from, from other places. 
as they approach e-commerce, and I'm sure they'll make a lot of headway there over the next few years, I wonder if their biggest threat is really coming from other companies in the space like Inditex or Fast Retail Uniqlo, or if it's going to be from factories. One of the trends that I see sort of on the horizon is this sort of direct from factory model. Uh, you've seen this with, I mean, all of the postal chaos that's happening in Sweden right now with PostNord and all of the packages coming in from China, from shopping apps like Wish and so forth. We're still at a point where that trend is mostly focused on gadgets and very cheap products. But in fact, when you look at like AliExpress, you see a lot of like fashion items there as well. And I think the factories are doing a pretty good job of creating products that are very inspired by the runways and are able to put them into production extremely fast, mm -hmm. but are basically selling them at no cost whatsoever. And I'm sure that there are going to be a consumer layer where we as shoppers can buy these fashion items directly from the factories in a context that feels a little bit more aspirational than like Wish does today. So I think that will be something that they need to figure out and keep an eye on. But ultimately, I mean, e-commerce will be their only way forward. If we go back to you and talk about your passion, you know, you know, it comes from this Italian word, Latin word, patire, which means that you're really kind of so interested and passionate about something that you're also willing to suffer for it. Mm. So what would that be for you? Yeah, it was when I got these questions ahead of this interview and I read through that one, I was like, this is such a great question and I can't believe I've never really asked myself this before. I spent some time thinking about it and I think what makes me most happy at work and when, when I feel like I've really accomplished something at work is when I feel like I was able to unlock something in someone else. Like when I was able to sort of bring out something new in someone else. And then I thought more about TikTok and what we do and I realized that that's basically what our company does as well, right? Like our company is built to unlock the potential in all of these businesses and entrepreneurs that are using our platform. And when I think about that, I do think that sort of I'm the most happy in the role of sort of an, an advisor, a supporter, a coach. Um, and that would be my true passion, I think, this process of unlocking different things that might be hidden to someone, but that you can identify in that same person. But do you then, when you do that, guide somebody, coach somebody, see somebody for real, it's more coming from your kind of intuitive side or is it something that you apply in a certain manner? I do think it used to come from my intuitive side. I think it's something that I've always practiced and, and have felt good about doing, but I'm trying to become more aware of it and I'm trying to be more precise about it and, and use tools to accomplish it. Uh, we recently had all of the leaders at TikTok go through this leadership education and, and I thought it was so interesting that a lot of things that we do, we might not be aware of us, like that those are in fact patterns, things that we can reuse and that we can apply in a more sort of aware and conscious way. So, so I'm trying to build up my toolbox right now to yeah, be a better leader and, and be a better coach and, and be a better friend. But, but it's something that I've done even before then, more intuitively. And what would you say are the transformational points so far in, in your life that have kind of uh, influenced you the most? Well, in my adult life, it must have been... The, the first one is definitely to have decided to start a company instead of taking uh, a gap year to travel. 
all of my friends in, in high school took a year after high school to explore the world and take a break before university. And, and I was sure that I was going to go into university and I had studied to have the scores to do so. And it felt like the sort of natural next step for me. But instead of taking that gap year to go out traveling, I opened up a small design studio together with Kai, who's now one of the co-founders of TikTok. And I think I very much sort of got the entrepreneur's bug then um, that sort of designed or decided the next 10 years, probably like the rest of my life. I think another, of course, like a very pivotal point in my life was meeting my wife, Baba. She is for sure my best friend and best supporter and coach and mentor and, and so many other roles that she plays in my life. And I think both me and Baba, we, we met each other before I had Ticktail and, and she was still in, in school. And I think we went through all of these different steps in our life together. And even when which I think would then be the third sort of pivotal point, which was moving to New York, but really like even moving into an entirely new city, a city that can be extremely consuming. She was that sort of like strong foundation that, that made that be such a sort of pleasant and enjoyable experience. But I would, would probably say that those were the three big things. It's starting my first business and, and meeting Kai, meeting Baba, and then moving to New York. Those, those would have been the three things that really sort of designed my current life. <laughs> and I, I happen to know that one of the reasons, in a way, that, that you also thought about kicking off something like TikTok was also based on the need for Baimuti, yeah. which is the company of your mother. And she needed to expose her products, right? And you were thinking about the solution, so to say, right? Yeah. No, that was very much the case. We, I was if working... that can be called the transformative point, but you know. Yeah, no, for sure. So I was working at Identity Works, which is a creative agency in Sweden. And I knew that I wanted to start to build a business. I knew that I wanted to work with something that would have a positive impact on the world around us. I knew that I wanted to work with Kai, but other than that, I was very open to different ideas. And then, yeah, at this time, my mother started her company by Mutti. And I think just seeing her work with that company, asking me questions about how to promote and grow that business, that led me down this rabbit hole that's Ticktail. That's definitely been a, a very defining part of my life. And in terms of um, long-term solutions or long-term formulas for business in general, what do you believe in? Well, ultimately, I think the, the answer to that question needs to be people. Like everything just comes down to people. And of course, making sure that you have the right people to succeed with your goals that you're able to retain those people, that you're able to grow those people, develop them over time. And then I think the second pillar, we talked about this already, is the focus piece. Like it's not enough to have the right people in place. You need a structure to make sure that they focus on a few tasks at the time and, and to sort of like narrow down those tasks so that you can move faster than, than the other companies in the space or in a more focused way at least. But I do think those are the two key ingredients to any lasting sustaining business like the practice of growing the best team and the practice of sharpening the focus for that team and um, if we dream a little bit and say that you have all kinds of doors open to you and you have all resources available what would you innovate or change in that case i mean it can be you know something that is close to you in this reality or it might be something far off yeah how unfair or unequal like the distribution of wealth is in the world I think is 
probably like one of the most heartbreaking problems of, of our time. How inaccessible the world is to some people, but while it's completely open to others. I think would I have been in a position where I had unlimited resources and every, every door was open, I think I would be very focused on trying to understand how we could redefine and develop this ancient concept of borders. And I think related to that is this, this idea that I'm completely fascinated by of universal basic income, where each person in this world, I think, should have the right to an income. And I think enabling sort of like more movement between countries or rather the sort of redefinition of, of countries, but, and then layer that with a universal basic income, I think would be the two most exciting, like limitless possibilities to go after. I realize both of those are extremely ambitious goals and probably unfortunately not things that we will see fully flourish in our lifetimes, but maybe see some of the early concepts be trialed out for. I do think that as the world is moving towards more automation, uh, we need to have a plan and strategy in place for when we don't need everyone to have a job anymore because we just don't need that many jobs anymore. We've been able to optimize a lot of the work that has been required for man away. So that's the tricky one, how to resolve. Everybody's kind of scared of that and don't see any major solutions, right, in terms of, because we may be so stuck into the structure we have today. There's a lot of things that need to be innovated. Another thing that I was reflecting on the other day is really the need of innovation in terms of politics. You know, we're innovating concepts and companies and everything, all kinds of formulas, but the political sphere where you really can have a major influence and where we are, you know, as people voting for these people, not, not very much has happened, right? Yeah. And I don't know how it will happen, if at all, very close. But um, do you have any reflections on that? Yeah, I mean, this will sound strange coming from me, but I, but I also think that in a way that the system is slow by design can also be good. I'm not saying that I enjoyed the, like how extremely like antique so many political concepts seem to be. But I also appreciate the fact that this sort of fail fast and learn approach of the startup industry might not always be applicable to matters that relate to people's lives, to people's um, futures, to how countries will evolve over decades. I'm not sure if we can afford to sort of fail fast and learn in all those instances, but we need a, a slower, gradual movement towards change. That's of course not true in, in all instances, and one would wish that we could find like a, a middle ground. But, but I, I think that as the tech world is becoming more mainstream, and I mean, it's been internet has been commercial for plus 20 years at this point, we are getting to a point where we're also starting to feel okay. I'm starting to feel okay thinking of myself as a progressive entrepreneur. I still start to think that we are getting to a place when some of these companies also need to start being regulated in a different way. And we need to slow some of these things down. And I think this is, of course, relevant to all of the press around Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and, and the things that have been going on. If you were to give advice to yourself, let's say, like 15 years ago or something, or maybe even 10 for you, mm -hmm. uh, what, what would that be? It would have been to take my Spanish classes more seriously. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, Baba's family is from Chile. Living here in New York, more people speak Spanish than English, basically. And I feel like I am going to love 
to be able to speak a third language as I grow older. I envy the fact that you speak Italian. Not only do I think that speaking another language will help me to communicate with, with more people, of course it will, will help me to build a closer relationship to Baba's family as well. But I also think that learning more ways to communicate opens up your brain to find more ways to express yourself or find more ways to think the same thought and to look at the same thought from more angles and perspectives. So if I could give myself one piece of advice 15 years ago, it would have been to take my Spanish classes more seriously. It was probably like the one class I spent the least time focused on preparing for. <laughs> so now you will have a crash course with Baba. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And if you would give an advice to, you know, whoever you would define as leaders today, uh, what would that be? To tell stories. Uh, I really think that Stories are, are so incredibly powerful and, and they have the, the opportunity to rally people around motives, around missions in a way that not, nothing else can, no KPI can, no, no statement can do it without a bigger narrative. We all want to be part of, of an epic, of a journey in some way. And I think that when I talk about Ticktail, there's one way where I could talk about it from, from it being a, an e-commerce platform, a commerce enabler, and I could talk about why that's so important because SMBs have grown X amount over the past couple of years and so forth. Or I can talk about the sellers on our platform and, and how we're changing their lives and how they are able to do all of these big things that they couldn't do before Ticktail. And, and I think sort of like teaching people to wrap whatever they're trying to convey into a bigger story, I think is, is probably one of the most important leadership uh, skills. Mm. And how do, you, how do you know these stories? How do, you, uh, how do you get them to tell you these stories? I think it follows the same sort of narrative that a great movie does or a great book or anything like that, where you want to have this sort of challenge that's exciting and that might at sometimes feel overwhelming, but sort of create this hero-like path towards re a resolution. And I think that's exciting for people. That's inspiring. You feel like you're part of something greater. And what do you think is the most important thing for companies to focus on right now? If there would be one thing that unites all companies? Well, I think the, the boring answer is to just not run out of money. But then I think the question becomes, how do companies make sure they don't run out of money? And I guess in, in this world that's in constant change, it's making sure that you never fall victim to habit, that you continuously try to challenge the status quo and, and try to think about how is the world around our business changing and how are we able to evaluate that world. And there's a lot of great theory as to how companies can accomplish this. I think probably one of the best examples is the innovator's dilemma that I think define the whole line of thinking of sort of change management. But ultimately, I think that's the case. It's so easy, especially when things are going well, especially when things are working, to just continue down a path that ultimately will lead to a dead end. Are you part of a, some kind of a, let's call it, network with people, maybe of the same generation who's also, you know, maybe they're also entrepreneurs and so on, where you can have an open discussion confidential, so to say, but open discussion with them and you ask advice or, or how does it work? Where do you get the support? Where do you get the energy, if you like, as well? Mm. 
I have been lucky enough to have so many fantastic friends and people that are close to me, Baba, not to say the least, that I'm getting a lot of that support and um, rapport from where we have so many discussions around things that are happening at Ticktail, things that are happening in the world, things that are happening at the internet at large. And I think that I really am lucky to belong to that friendship group where we all share that passion for the work that we do. I'm personally not part of any any greater network or anything like that. And I've oftentimes find that time is, is so precious. Uh, so it's been hard to prioritize becoming part of these sort of like structured gatherings. I do also think that being a, a venture funded company, we have the support from our board and from people that have far more experience than I have and that I've been able to lean on several times when I've been uh, facing difficult work challenges. So just to finish off on a, on a very big question, what do you think the world needs the most at this time? A unified, shared approach or strategy for climate change. To think about how we take care of this planet and how we can make sure that, that it sustains. What is this expression, there's no planet B? It doesn't seem like there's anything more important for the world to unite around right now. Thanks for uh, sharing. And uh, for those of you who want to know more, of course, you can head to ticktail.com. And uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And I also truly appreciate if you share this episode with your network and friends for impact. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, uh, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao.